Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. This is Darren, and if you like this content, you have got to come check out my new course, 90 Day Relationship Reset. If you've got drama in your relationships, if you're struggling with a relationship, this is the course for you. Go to my website, drdarrenwilson.com. It's the very first button you push. It'll take you right to the relationship webpage. You can sign up today. You can up-level your relationship. And in 90 days, your relationships will be reset. Come join me today, drdarrenwilson.com. I can't wait to see you in the course room. Well, welcome in everyone to episode number 75 of the Life Coaching for Men podcast. It's so great to be back with you again this week. And I teased out a week or so ago that I was hoping to have my second guest. As you all know, I've intentionally not had a guest on the podcast because I wanted to make sure that each guest that we brought uh, brought an extreme and intense amount of value. And that's exactly what we're planning on doing this week uh, with our guest. And so I am so happy to have uh, Alan Jager here with us this week. And uh, Alan is the founder of Jager Sports, and uh, he found it on the principle of both physical and mental skills in order to bring success in game situations. And as, as founder of Jager Sports, Alan has written a book on uh, mental training called Getting Focused and Staying Focused. And Alan really brings just years and years of experience to the mindfulness work. And so since 1991, Alan has been a personal trainer and consultant and has worked with over 200 professional players, including 2002 Side Young Award winner Barry Zito. So, Alan, without further ado, man, welcome to the podcast today. Doc, not only thanks for having me on, but uh, quite an honor to be uh, number two. Um, and uh, obviously love what you're doing for the community. And I'm, I'm just happy to be on here and hopefully share some ideas that are helpful. Well, thank you so much. And so as I mentioned, man, since 1991, so you've been doing this a long time, which, you know, it seems in the last few years, meditation, mindfulness has really become a buzzword, but man, you've lived it as a, as a life and a, as a mission really, you know, personally, and then you've been given back for, for that long of amount of time. So talk a little bit about how you got started into the mindfulness field and into meditation and just tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a pitcher at Cal State University Northridge here in L.A., and I went through a very difficult time. I, I was doing really well in the fall, and then between the fall and the spring, uh, something happened, which is, you know, a long story. But basically, I got to a point where I was really affected. I had to walk away from the team. I was extremely confused. I was scared. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have any tools, so to speak, to uh, tools, awareness. Like it, it was just like something brand new in my life. And so um, I just decided at that point, you know, to get help. I, uh, I saw a sports psychologist, which back then, I mean, that term didn't even really exist. I mean, it obviously sure. it did. I'm being a little facetious, but as you know, you know, that was 1985 or 86. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, pretty early on in this field. And so, you know, fortunately he was very helpful. He actually had a minor in hypnotherapy, very unusual, like oh, wow. unique, very cool. He was really, really good. Um, and I believe those tapes helped me a ton too, as a side note, but um, I changed my major over to psychology. I wanted, you know, my, I figured I'd, at the end of the day, I guess I'm a very inquisitive person. You know, I talked to, you know, she's 
Right. I always talk to him and, you know, we're always like, I, I just always find myself troubleshooting. And, uh, and I, I guess I just really want to know like what happened. And um, so it was in one of my upper division psychology courses um, that our professor one day told a, a story and it, it happened to be a Zen story. I didn't know what Zen was. And I asked him after class, you know, what, what's that story and where's it from? He gave me the name of a book. One thing led to another. And I, I discovered a, um, a gentleman named Alan Watts, who's very, you know, well known in the, this Eastern philosophy, kind of spiritual new age world and uh, meditation world. And uh, Alan Watts was actually, I believe, an Anglican minister in England and went mm. to Japan to study Zen. And he supposedly is really the first Westerner to bring the Far East of Zen to the West. And he's, he wrote tons and tons of books, but he wrote a book called The Way of Zen that radically changed my life. And I fell in love with Zen because really what Zen is if in, in 30 seconds or less, Zen is about not thinking and trusting your instincts. Um, I mean, we could delve more into some other ideology of it, but really Zen at its core, you know, especially the way Alan Watts talked about it, um, it was really about getting to this place of, of what's called no mind, no thought. Right. And I always relate that to sort of, you know, like being in the zone. When you're in the zone, you're, you're just not thinking. You're on automatic pilot, as we know. You're, you're in the flow, as we talk about. Sure. And I related first, I guess, I must have related it first to 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 sports because I played so many sports growing up. I'm like, man, whenever I'm not thinking and I'm just trusting my instincts and going with the flow, I've just had my best games by far. Right. And, and so I guess in a nutshell, that was sort of the door into that world. And then I went from not knowing what I was going to do with my life. And I, I did get into coaching. I was a junior college pitching coach for a few years, but it was during that time in the early nineties that I really, started writing my book and I just felt this, you talk about inspiration or catalyst to push. It was, it was like a tidal wave and I didn't feel like I was in charge and it was actually a great feeling. It was like oozing out of me and that was the book and, and then wanting to share because I was in really in a, in a tough place. Like I said, it was scary. It was confusing. It was unknown. And I, I would say that um, you get that feeling when you, you, you work through it and you, and you feel like you want to share with people because even though that was a very extreme experience to go through, I just felt like if someone had some you know, basic trouble, some basic worries, overthinking, being too much in the future, being too much in the past, I just felt like I could be very helpful. And then, of course, if someone was having some deeper stuff, I felt like I went through such a deep experience that I could really relate to it. So that's sort of the process. And, and, and I will say one last thing, you know, it was then, but also there was a huge emphasis um, through my studying of a lot of the Far East that really got me into meditation and, and yoga. And so, you know, meditation did and still is a major, major aspect of my life. That is so good. You know, thinking back 30 years ago, 25 years ago on this, when, when you started bringing it to people, whether it was, you know, professional organizations or just people in general, did you, did you get some pushback there? Did you did was it, was it very receptive in the beginning? <laughs> Again, I've, I've told the story a lot of times, you know, and it's hard for people to relate in 2021. I almost said 2020. It's just, yeah, it's hard to believe. I know. Um, because of how mainstream meditation, mindfulness, yoga, acupuncture, alternative medicine, you know, how mainstream a lot of these things have gotten now. Uh, thanks a lot, of course, to the internet. But, well, I think thanks a lot to evolution. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's sure. like... But I, I feel like um, people cannot possibly relate to what things were like 10 years ago, let alone 20, let alone 30. And right. to answer your question, I always joke that I would walk into a room for the first time when I was just starting out. I mean, this might have been, like I said, 1990. And people really looked at me like I had five or six, seven eyes. And, uh, 
and that was and, and not only that it was just it was a new concept also there was like a, a stigma attached to it that really right. i think was was an issue which is if you were going to do anything with mental training or the mental world or psychology um you had to have to, you had to have a problem mm. and as you know i think that's just so unfortunate because as we both know um mental health mental training it, it's a strength oh it's it such is. a strength yeah. and, and you used the word earlier when we were talking about you know vulnerability like people see vulnerability as like a weakness and I understand it could depend a little bit on the context, but I would say that basically always vulnerability, if you look at it from the right point of view, is such a strength. So anyway, to answer your, your question, yes, it was uh, in it. And that went on for many years. You know, that went on through, I'd say, it for at least 10 to 15 years, even though things loosened up, as you know, and the internet came around and, right. and things did start getting more mainstream. In the sports world, it helped, you know, I had like a, started having players get to the big leagues. I started, you know, Barry Zito, as you mentioned, won the Cy Young Award, I think in 2002. I spoke at the ABCA convention in 2003, I believe. And uh, I've, I wrote for collegiate baseball for years. Um, so I do feel like, um, you know, at least on my own path, things were expanding, but obviously around me, other people were starting to, you know, Ken Revisa was, of course, around before me, who's a legend, and Ken, Bob Rotella, you know, there were right. sports right. psychologists out there that were obviously making a lot of hay anyway, but um, but I just feel like, yes, those those years were were very, very tricky, but it all feels that much sweeter now to see how much it's grown, as you know. Yeah, no doubt. And I appreciate that. You know, it's so interesting because I go back, I, I graduated high school in 91. Um, and so that was my first um, indoctrination actually into um, meditation and visualization. I had a coach that he actually coached volleyball and he was an assistant basketball coach, but he would take a volleyball team through a whole set of meditation and visualization with music before every match. And I asked him not too long ago, um, you know, where did you get that? And he had read a book and, you know, and, and, but from then until literally 25 years later, maybe 20 years later, it was never introduced again. And just so, so interesting that, you know, you see it occasionally and now obviously, but, but back then, even in the sports world, you just didn't see it that much. And so for you to be on the forefront of that, you know, how, how neat. Now we've got a lot of listeners who obviously, uh, come from a lot of different backgrounds, but talk a little bit because I know you're you're really into and experienced with yoga as well. But talk about a little uh, or a few of the benefits that you've seen in your own life outside of the sports world uh, from either the yoga practice or the meditation practice. Either one, if if you just kind of want to talk in in broad generalities, there. <laughs> You got a couple hours. Well, you know, this, this group, we got to keep it a little, but just give us some highlights because I know how important yoga is. I, I love doing yoga. I've, I've done it uh, for several years now and, and the benefits that come from that. But I think there's still, even with, especially men, you know, there's still that stigma of, of even with yoga. And so, you know, what are some things that, that you would encourage guys to do, um, you know, if they were a little hesitant? let's say in this world? Well, I'd say, first of all, you know, the benefits to me again, are they're just endless, but um, I think just having more of a sense of peace and calm clarity, um, being more in the present moment, really being aware, aware is a word that will probably come up several times yeah. today, but being aware of what's going on in your mind, like what are your thoughts saying to you? Are they, are they supportive? Are they distracting? Are they critical? So I think one of the greatest things about meditation is just to stop and put yourself in a position where you can actually just say, okay, what is going on in my mind? What kind of dialogue is going on all day long that maybe I've never even thought about mm -hmm. because I'm just living life? And you may have patterns going on in your, in your head, been going on for 10, 15 years that could be negative or ridiculing or threatening or sabotaging or punishing or, or just, or they could be, that's all really heavy. Maybe they're not as heavy, but there's still a lot of them, which is always worrying about the future, always worrying about the past, the kinds of things that create anxiety and stress and pressure and over, you know, worrying. 
So I would say it's the full gambit from the really heavy stuff that might be going on in your head to the lighter stuff, which can still be very stressful. So awareness is just a huge thing. They've done so much studies on the role of breathing and, and, and meditation. And so just from a, a physiology perspective, just the health, you know, healthier body, cl cleaner body, clearer mind. Um, and, and I would get, I guess I would top it off because I could just go on forever. I would just say there's just, all, I said the word peace earlier, but I also feel like it's, it's sort of a window into a deeper sense of like maybe your, your insight and your, your intuition and spiritually, it yeah. gives you a chance to feel spaces that maybe again, like I, I look a lot at that space as like the sun that's always shining, but if you're in in your mind a lot, it's like you're, there's clouds and it's hard to feel the resonation or the, 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 the resonance of that sun. And so I would say, you know, those are some of the main benefits as far as the people that uh, are, are resistant to it. I always try to say things from a, um, you know, like a compassionate mm -hmm. point of view, but I also try to say things that I hope are clear and real, which is a try it, be open-minded. I mean, yeah. if you know, you don't, you know, I don't think you have much to lose. And I feel like um, a lot of times, as you know, in life, it's the first step. It really is of just getting someone and, you know, to open the door. And I also try, I know in sports, one of my angles I use all the time is look, we know at the highest level, the game's going to be 99.9% .9 mental between the lines or on the court or on the golf course. Um, it might only be 90% in high school and college, you know, or whatever the numbers right. are. Right. Well, why are you putting a hundred percent of your time into physical practice for something that the mind is going to be sort of like the key to allowing all that hard physical preparation to come out in the most optimal way? You know, you're, it's like saying you're taking care of your car, you're making sure it has a great paint job, a good, great upholstery, but you're not caretaking of the engine. Yeah. So, so I, I, those are some of the analogies that you know, I try to use to, again, not to push it on people too hard, but just sort of appeal to them in, in maybe a logical way. <laughs> yeah. And I want the listeners to know that we did very little prep work together, right? But boy, are we not singing the same story that we talk about on the podcast a lot, especially mm. when it goes and, it, and you talk, you start talking about, you know, the mental side of it and the thoughts leading to the feelings, which produce the actions. But even to back up a little bit, because I talk a lot about the past programming, right, and how we've been, how we've been brought up, how we've grown up, our beliefs, those internal beliefs that sometimes we don't even question. And now it's, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging people to question those beliefs. And, and do you even believe what you, what you say and what you think you're believing? And so part of this, you know, I, and this past program, I thought it was so good. What you said is to really, you know, just sit there and notice, right. And, and I talk about becoming a watcher of your thoughts, you know, watching what you're thinking, because I went through life for year after year after year and being pretty successful, um, not realizing that, Hey, wait a minute. I have a choice here. <laughs> I have a choice to decide to tell my brain what to think, or am I going to let my brain just run my life? And really, that's what a lot of this is, right? It's really getting and having that intention where you say, no, wait a minute, there is another way. Maybe I've just not been exposed to it. Well, and also you bring up a great point as the observer, as you said, the, the watcher, but something really cool happens when you decide to say, oh, I'm going to watch my thoughts for the sake of watching my thoughts, not to be a participant, not to converse with them, right. but you're actually taking yourself out of place. So a couple of analogies I love. It's like you're sitting there and thoughts are asking you to dance and you're just saying, no, I'm not taking the dance. I'm just going to watch. And another one I love because I play tennis is you're the umpire in the chair and there's two people playing tennis. So you're the umpire, the, the, the thought, each person is like a thought and they can hit the thoughts back and forth, but you have now stepped out and, and you're what a term I like is neutral. You're, you're yeah. kind of the, the neutral witness is another great one. Observer is another great one. But the point is this, when you, it's like a paradigm shift. When you decide to intentionally stop 
for the sake of, as you said, to just watch your thoughts. Another word I love, curious. Mm, yeah, we did a whole podcast on curiosity, no doubt. Yeah. Be, be curious. I get that from someone I've worked with, Peter Russell, who's amazing. Just be curious what what's coming up. And as you said, until you do that, you, you may have no idea what kind of messaging your brain is saying. And maybe 50% is good and maybe 50% is not good. But if 50% is not good, that's concerning. And I know from uh, Dr. Shana Shapiro up at Santa Clara University, who's one of the leaders in, in the world in mindfulness in the community is, she, I believe the research is, the average human being has supposed to be like 70,000 thoughts a day yeah. And, and, and like 69%, a pretty large percentage of them are, are negative. And, yeah. and again, I don't, I don't know for sure all of that. It's just, I'm just repeating what I've heard from her, but it, it just goes to show you that in a way, if you just step back and say, well, why would I not want to know what's going on in my mind? Because you may be at work, you may have a very important meeting. You may uh, be in the classroom. You may be about to call someone up for a date. You might be on the mound with a three-two count, the base is loaded. And if you are aware of the kinds of patterns your mind is throwing out there, well, you at least have a chance to do something about it. And as you said, and it's a word I cannot say enough, awareness. Yeah. It's, this is about bringing awareness. Uh, what do they say? If you wanna change something, it starts with awareness, right? Yeah, that's so good. And and I think the other part of this that that I'll just mention just a second here with you is, you know, we, we've talked so much about what we right, what we do to ourselves, what our brain does to ourselves. And, and we talk about whether we're in the moment or, or, or all of that stuff. But the other, the other part of this that I think is so important, especially from the curiosity part, and from the just the, the awareness part, is how we allow others to trigger us. Right. And when we start to realize that, no, wait a minute, they get to be humans and they're living their own human experience. But you know what? We're also a human and we're living our own human experience and we can decide how we want to act on the other side of that person. Right. They don't have to, quote unquote, force us or cause us to act, be, do in a certain way. We have that choice. And I think that is so enlightening to a lot of people because whether you're in a, a relationship, you know, or it's a work relationship or, a, a, you know, a marriage relationship or any any kind of relationship. But when you're when you're dealing with someone on the other side of the table, so to speak, it gets really interesting when you get out of your own way and go, wow, look how that other human is behaving. Right. Look what that other human says and look what it does to me internally. So, you know. Just give, give me a little, give me a little bit on, on that of what I just said. It goes back to awareness. You yeah. know, if you don't, and that's why meditation to me is so important because every day you're spending time practicing, experiencing thoughts that may come up and maybe they're critical or negative or things that the type of things that may come up in a situation like that. And then you're very reactive mm. to the situation the meditation helps you practice hearing stuff come up and then practicing being the umpire in the chair or being that neutral part and right. just watching. And then the cool thing is when you're the watcher, that's where you can really fall into that place of peace and quiet and everything is just fine. But if you don't have that practice, you're, you're going to probably tend to continue to react or continue to do whatever programming that your mind has been used to doing. And so I'll, I'll give you, you know, something when you were talking you remind me of a great line from Eleanor Roosevelt, which I've tweeted a number of times, which mm -hmm. is no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Oh, yeah. And so if someone, and this, this takes practice, but if someone pushes your buttons, your ability to have the awareness to just say, oh, this person maybe is having a bad day or your initial response is you're upset, but you're able to, like a thought in the meditation, you're able to step back and go, oh, wait a minute. Right. I just want to be neutral. I don't really want to be that person now and react because that's not really serving either one of our purposes. <laughs> um, and so, and, and I don't want people to misunderstand that there doesn't mean there aren't situations that you need to confront sure. or you need to yeah. get something off your chest or there's a real moment for growth because you do want to 
address something that is real and the person may have said something that is important for you to respond to. But I guess what I'm saying is that, as you know, in the situations like you described, a lot of times it's a very innocent thing and it's not only our first response to it, it's that we could ruminate on it right. over and over and over as opposed to just saying, okay, I dealt with it, it's over. But as you said, man, the, it's a practice, but if you can get to a point where you can start being more and more neutral to situations that really aren't that big a deal, I know they may seem like a big deal, but at the end of the day, it's sort of like, this is your own temple, this is your own sanctuary. And so do you want to keep it clean and clear and free? And that does mean sometimes addressing situations, but right. but also to be aware that, okay, I just, I don't want to keep adding stuff and stress in the future and the past in there. So address it if you need to address it, but I just keep coming back to this word awareness. But you, you did bring up a very important point, which is starting to notice it's not just thoughts that come up, but it's also what's our reaction in situations and can we be way more effective in those uh, situations right and i love the deal especially you know when i'm working one-on-one -on -one with a client and and i've talked about it a lot on here too but i love to talk about coming from a clean space right if you mm. if you if you are clean if you have clean thinking then you can make any decision you want right and you can tell your body what to do you can tell your mind what to do you can tell your brain what to do you can tell your mouth to shut up or you can tell your mouth to engage and that's exactly what, you know, what you were saying, but, but when it's all cloudy and when you're not, when you're not in a space to where you can think clearly, then that's where you get into trouble. And, and on that note, so here, if, if you give us some examples, because I, I harp on this a lot um, and, and I talk about, certainly talk about awareness and, and, you know, being in the moment, being the present, but I find that, you know, when, when guys are struggling with this and maybe it's, it's the same thing that comes up over and over again in their own life. And, and it could be anything we could, we could pick something out, but it's that negative pattern of thinking. I tell them all the time, Hey, this isn't easy. <laughs> and this isn't for everyone, right? If everyone was, it is for everyone, but everyone won't take the time to do this because it's hard work. And I say, you know, if it's, if, if it's some kind of pie in the sky thing and they say, you're going to get healed overnight, or you're going to start thinking great overnight, it's probably not true, but it takes work. And so, you know, we talk about, you know, capturing your thoughts, capturing each thought, trying to capture as many thoughts as you can, reframing those. But talk a little bit about just, you know, for a, for a normal Joe out there who's struggling with XYZ on a daily basis and it keeps coming up and he keeps ruminating on that. What do you, what do you suggest that they do in that moment uh, from a day-to-day, minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour, whatever basis? Yeah, well, I would say it's sort of like reverse engineering. I'd say if you have a great meditation practice in place, you have experience to draw from. Hmm. You're more aware of the situation. You may have some momentum with your meditation practice so that now this thought pattern, this rumination has been addressed, even if it's not perfect. So um, now you may say, okay, well, but if someone, let's say, doesn't have a meditation practice, so they haven't got going on it yet, what would be like kind of a quick fix, if you will? And I say a few things. One is go into the body, um, especially the breath. Um, the breath has a way, of course, because it's not a thought. Right. And the breath is always in the present moment. So if you can remember those two things, it can immediately give you a chance to at least stop and say, okay, let me, let me get out of my head. Yeah. I want you to stay right there for a second, because I don't yeah. think that we that's something sort of new. So you you said something fascinating, I think you said the breath is always in the present moment, which obviously is true. You can't breathe in the past right? and you can't breathe in the future. So you're breathing in the present. Talk about what you mean by that specifically. Do you actually just stop and feel yourself breathing? Do you notice your breathing? Do you slow your breathing down? What what do you mean by that? Good question. Um, I'd say essentially it's just to direct your attention to your breathing. Now it's okay. possible if someone's really stressed out, their breathing's going very fast. Right. And that could stress them out more. So I would say it's sort of a, it's a little, for the most part, I think the breath is such a great place to go. Um, but in that situation, you can say, just have someone bring their attention to like the bottom of their feet, which is the furthest point from their brain and their head, which is ruminating. Right. Yeah. But, but in either case, 
you're bringing them to something that's not a thought and you're bringing them to something that is in the present moment. And, and I just find, I don't, it's, it's almost mystical, but when you do go into your body, there's a sense of hominess about it. Like it, it just, it, it's like your body is cooperating with you and saying, okay, thank you for getting out of your head. I needed you to come home into my body where yeah, I love it. Yeah. I can, I, you've interrupted the thought process. You've interrupted the rumination, you know, yeah. you've taken yourself and, and maybe there's another analogy. I would probably throw at them right away. So you just, just do your best as soon as you hear the thought. And then, then there's, the, there's the you responding to the thought. I know that you feels like you, but just try to put yourself in the umpire chair right away. And not only watch the yeah. thought, watch the you respond to the thought, even if that sounds funny, just take yourself out of the game. Watch the thought, watch the response to the thought. Maybe there's an emotional response then to that thought. Watch it all. And, I, and again, that's maybe a little bit advanced, but um, that would be another way. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I would also just say that some kind of tool to just know that the key to you to start to calm down and start to get some clarity and to start becoming aware of what's going on is just to take yourself out of the dance, which is another. So these are all analogies I would use, right. you know, that whatever's going on in your mind, just see it like someone's, oh, here's another one I love. You're driving, you're, you're driving a car and there's a hitchhiker on the side of the road. Mm. We don't know what the hitchhiker's intentions are. It could be fine. But we also don't want to take a chance because it's, you know, it's, it's two in the morning and, you know, I'm just making up a situation where maybe right. it's, sure. it could be a little, little more uh, precarious. Um, the point is, is just don't, don't pick up the hitchhiker. Just just keep driving. And so these are all metaphors, as you know, to try to get someone to really stop the engagement of the thinking and to start to bring, I told you this word's going to keep coming up. Yeah. Come back to awareness. Right. Awareness is not a thought. Awareness is more like when you're watching your favorite baseball team playing or you're watching a beautiful sunset you know, or you're in a, in the middle of a beautiful song or movie, you're lost. That, that's awareness. You're in the state of just peace. There's no thought in that. Again, that's like the zone state you're in the right. flow. So just know, even if you don't feel like you're in the flow in that moment, if you step back into this awareness, the, as you used earlier, the witness observer is another great term. What you've done is you've taken yourself out of the play out of the dialogue of the mind. And, and again, for someone brand new to this, as you know, <laughs> it could be a little bit tricky at first, like, well, what do you, what do you exactly mean? But if you right. just sort of have that basic fundamental concept of like, okay, I have a feeling if I get in my body or get in my breath, or if I can just sort of not take the dance and disengage from these thoughts, st stop the, you know, stop the conversation, if you will, with the right. thoughts. Yeah. Give yourself a chance to get to this place called neutral. And maybe even then you're like, well, then what does that mean? As you know, it's the first step. And then all of a sudden you might notice things starting to feel better and calm down and slow down. So, I mean, that was like seven. That, no, sorry, that, that was, was like seven analogies. No, that was so good. And yeah, and our, our listeners <laughs> will love that. I mean, that's so good. And and I think you make such a great point too. Even, even the fact of watching a sunset, and watching the ocean or really immersing yourself into music or, or a movie or whatever is so hard for people today, right? Because we are so inundated with stuff, you know, the phones, the computers, the, you know, the instant access, the instant, all the stuff. And so that in itself, right, is just so difficult to be able to say, no, wait a minute. I want to just, I want to just be so hard for people. Be is one of my favorite words. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, you made me think of another word, which is because of all the stuff you just mentioned, contrast. I would, I would, I use the word invite. I probably used to say something like, I would highly recommend, but now I say it softer. I would, I would highly invite you to this idea um, to have contrast in your life. Because the easiest thing to do for all of us is to pick up the cell phone, get on Twitter, check our emails, check our texts. Um, you know, I, I can go on and on, obviously. Yeah. And, and a lot of what we're talking about today keeps coming back to a lot of 
a lot of the same themes, of course. And one of the themes, you know, is awareness, is stopping. I would, and I don't know if I've really had said this much before, but the, the idea of contrast is so critical right now, especially in this age of technology. And I think for someone to turn off all their phones, turn off all their gadgets, and which of course is part of the meditation, but to sit somewhere for 10, 15 minutes, five minutes, whatever, maybe even have a notepad to, for notes, but, but do it for, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to do it, but one of the reasons is do it for contrast. Like just say, okay, wait, I've never really done this before. I kind of know what meditation is and I kind of, but because I feel like that could be one of the greatest teachings you ever get in your life on this earth is this idea of, oh, I've never actually intentionally sat and you don't have to call it meditation, call it whatever, whatever you want. But I, I've never really intentionally sat, maybe not at least in the last few years. Yeah. Sit for the sake of sitting to just decompress and let everything go and, and, and maybe just, just get quiet, just appreciate life as it is without having to go into some other form of technology anyway I that being is, so is a word yeah. is a buzzword for me I love that word that's so good so what a great segue so <laughs> with with our audience you know I've talked a lot about meditation I've ta talked a lot about mindfulness I've talked about being in the present um, but I've never taken them through what would be a, a simple meditation that they could do each and every day so if you would if you would you know take our audience through the kind of a little program of what you would recommend, um, especially if they just want to get um, started in this uh, arena and, and how they could find that, that being and being present uh, each day in their lives. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a couple of really good bullet points. And um, before I forget, we have so many resources sheets, as you know, and I have done at least three or four, um, Zoom sessions based on this. And I'd right away say, if you go to Stick and Ball podcast, we did a deep dive. It was almost three hours. I actually took him through a, a meditation um, during the podcast or, or the session. And uh, so also on YouTube, um, I did a um, mental training talk, easy to find if you just kind of keyword Jager, Jager Sports and mental talk. And actually about the mid midway point, I do a guided meditation, so you can just literally sit in your chair and and turn that on. So, and, and I'm sure you'll be able to post some of these sure. resources as well. Um, but I would give someone sort of like the most basic overview would be A, arrive, meaning wherever you, whether you sit on a chair, a couch, lay down, take 60 seconds and arrive, meaning, you, you know, you're making a transition from whatever's gone on throughout your day, maybe even the night before, maybe even a few days before. And also there's something maybe going to go on after your session is over. The idea is you're arriving saying, you know what, I want to get present. I want to be here now. And I want to do whatever you want to call it, meditate, do a little mental practice, do some relaxation, breathe, and so that arriving 60 seconds is sometimes I use the analogy with baseball. It's sort of like pregame infield before the game or the bullpen before the game for a pitcher. So you're sort of just getting yourself prepared. One other thing I'd add to the arriving piece is I found it very helpful, again, to just scan the body, mm -hmm. you know, get into the body. Because once you get into the body again, you're in the present moment. You're, you're ideally you're out of your head now. Um, so that's part of the arriving. Um, the second step would be sort of the practice itself, even though it's really all a practice, of course. Um, something very basic that I, I give people, so it's hopefully very simple and not threatening, um, is a very basic counting exercise where I'll just say, okay, after you've done that arriving and you feel like you're kind of present and ready, um, when you feel the next inhalation come in, just assign it a number one and you can visualize mm. number one. You can see a one on a, a, a white chalk on a blackboard with a one. You can feel your whole body becoming it. You can play with it, but whatever it is, it's, it's a one. The exhale is a two, the inhale is a three and the exhale is a four. And you can count really just to 20 or 30. And that will probably take you two or three minutes. 
And the idea is to stay with the breath and on the counting and not to lose track. Um, although ultimately your goal is to lose track because at some point you want to let go of everything, even the counting. But for early on, the idea is to sort of stay with this practice because by focusing on the breath and the counting, as you know, you're giving the mind somewhere to go. And that's really important early on for someone who's learning meditation for the first time as you do want to give them somewhere to focus on, even though the ultimate goal from my practice is to then go back into what's called open focus, where now you're expanding and you're, you're kind of, you're not, you're out of the technical mm, right. part, but let's not, but, but, early, but early on with that, I just want to say if, because yeah. I know people struggle with this, right. Even, even when they're trying to count and then they start thinking about their day, they're trying to count and they start thinking about what just happened. Don't in, so in those moments, you just say, you know what, there's no judgment here, right? You just get back to counting. Exactly. And here's where you bring in the two key tools that were go earlier hand in hand with what we talked about, about how you deal with stuff in the day. Right. So that that's going to repeat now, which is cool, which is why I mentioned earlier, your met, your meditation yes. practice is so influential in your day and helping to give you tools that you've practiced and you're aware of. So here's what happens. You're counting your breath. As you said, you're on, you did one fine. And then before two, you're already thinking <laughs> right. about I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I've got to call Joe. How come it's always Joe? I, can't I know I say Joe too. I, I know I, I've got a good buddy of mine. that's Joe. I say, man, I'm not talking about you all the time. It's just, you know, it just comes out. <laughs> all right. We're going to do Rick. <laughs> there you <Okay>. go. <laughs> um, so you're between one and two and then the thoughts come in. So here to me are two of the key strategies that I feel like are not only great for meditation, but really, really great for life. And these are the ones I mentioned earlier, you can apply throughout your day, uh, which is being neutral. And then the second piece is redirecting your attention because attention is not a thought. So you do the inhale well, you're waiting for the exhale, and then a thought comes in your mind, you notice the thought, you can even acknowledge it. You're, you're not trying to push it away, block it out. You're okay with the thought. You're just saying, I'm not taking the dance. I'm not picking up a hitchhiker. The thought can do whatever it wants. The thought is not right or wrong. Alan Watts called thoughts temporary mental constructions. Mm -hmm. You're just noticing. And then you're redirecting your attention, which is also not a thought. So we keep playing in this non-thinking world, which is great. Back to the number two or the breath. Or if you've lost track, you can start at one again. So right. it's this cool game of you're counting your breath. You know where to go. You're in your body, which is wonderful. You're in your breath, which is wonderful. And then a thought comes up that distracts you. It's okay. Be neutral. Don't take the dance redirect your attention to two then two goes by and before you know it oh i did three really well i did four really well then another thought comes in that's distracting you again no problem neutral let it be beetles let it be <laughs> redirect attention where am i oh i'm on five and also you said a word earlier that is key now no judgment yeah. so Maybe you messed up between four and five or you started thinking about you're hungry and then you went on a little run with that for 20 seconds and you, you it's okay. You, you, that's just the mind has had a lot of practice maybe at, at, at ruminating our, our conversation. So right. your practice, this is a practice. So now you're saying, okay, no problem. Where am I? I think I'm at six, you know, I'll start over again. Inhale one. And before you know it, you're at eight again, you're rolling and another thought comes in and you're like, okay, no problem. Neutral. Where am I at? I'm on nine. And so that to me is really getting back to this idea of not only is it really helping you to disengage from the thoughts, but you're learning these two massive tools, neutrality and redirecting attention. And those are the two I feel like when you're in the middle of your day and yeah. stuff is happening, your ability now to take a breath and stop and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be neutral because I do that every morning. I'm going to redirect my attention. Oh, I really do need to call Rick. Like that's not, I can't be thinking about these 20 texts right now because, and all of a sudden you, instead of going to the number, you go, you redirect your attention to where you need to be. So for a pitcher, it's great. It's like, oh, I just walked a guy, deep breath. 
redirect my attention to my process, which is another thing we talk about, but let's just call it a focal point. Okay, now I need to attack my focal point. So the thought may have come up, I don't want to walk this guy or there's a scout in the stands. But meanwhile, that's the same kind of thoughts that come up in your meditation that you're still you're practicing the same thing. Thoughts come up, whatever they are, they come up neutral, redirect attention. And to me, this is one of the most important tools I believe a human being can be aware of, because in life, if you just know nothing else but to just say, hey, there's the state called neutral that is really like my home. Right, right. <laughs> and I can go there even if I just still don't feel great because my mind's cooking, but I know I need to go there and then I need to redirect my attention to something that is fundamental to what I do need to do now. That's functional. That's, that's helping, supportive, nurturing, whatever. Or as an athlete, there's a place you need to go to right now. Get on my toes if you're a tennis player, whatever. There's a place to go to. And to me, this sort of redirecting attention is so, to me, helpful because it gives you sort of the place to go once you, you, you really identify with that idea of being neutral. That is so good. So what do you think for a, for a beginner? To shoot for five minutes in the beginning? I'd say shoot for five minutes, but try to do it twice a day. You know, yeah, try to have okay. like a, something in the morning before you start your day. Really in a perfect world, maybe after lunch, you know, just just sit at your desk for a couple of minutes or wherever. Um, then maybe before you go to bed, the, the, the idea is, and I'm going to borrow another line from Dr. Shana Shapiro, which is uh, you become what you practice. Mm -hmm. And if we have this ruminating, if we have all these thoughts that are going on and they've had years and years of practice, you used the word programming earlier. It makes sense to undo a lot of that stuff or, or, or to bring awareness to that, to start letting that go and not engaging, mm. but letting that start to move away. Like let the clouds just dissipate so the sun can now completely shine. That's a practice too. And so I would say, yes, the, the idea is that if you can pepper the day, take a breath every, every few minutes, just, just remind yourself to, to, to be neutral, to be quiet, to be present, because we've done so much practicing of being in the head and all the thinking. And so it is an undoing. And in Zen, they talk about an unlearning. You know, you, you have to unlearn, of course, or, or let go is another way of saying it. Um, and so I'd say early on, yes, I would say maybe five minutes so someone can feel like it's, it's doable and not asking too much. But in a perfect world, um, you know, it might be really more like a 20 minute exercise. And right. I, I, I I spoke to someone who studied with uh, Deepak Chopra, a sports psychologist the other day, wonderful, wonderful guy. And he told me that Deepak meditates from 4 to 6 a.m. And then he writes from 6 to 8 a.m. every morning. Wow. I mean, not to quote him perfectly, but I'm just saying like that. Wow. It, it just puts into context. Again, that's not to say everybody has to do that or should do that. It's just to put in context that that is how he feels like it probably is crucial for him to really stay in this practice and, and, and deepen this awareness and, and really, you know, we, it is a great saying, you bring your meditation into the day or the way I like to say it is the, the meditation is actually always happening. It's always there. I, I joke with people like, you know, the zone seems like a place we're trying to get to and it's so rare and unique, but the zone itself is, is all, it's just, it's always here. It's just, are you thinking about things that's taking you out of it? Right. And so uh, you become what you practice, I think is a, a real highlight, you know, to this talk today, because I feel like um, I want people to understand that it's one thing to have a good psychology and have good tools. And that of course is paramount, but with all the practice we've had as human beings from the time our former formative years till now, it just, it's the engine of the car. Again, you get, you really want to get in there and start to a become aware of what is going on, have that contrast, have that awareness, and then start to see, well, how do I feel when I learn to disengage and, and not get attached and not again, get into these long conversations with my thoughts that can take me into the future, the past here, there emotions come 
add a, add as a result of that. So um, anyway, that was a very long answer. So hope that, that hope that helped. Oh, that was super. And listen, podcast listeners, there's your challenge for the week, right? Five minutes, once in the morning, once at lunch, or once in the afternoon. If you're already doing some of this, then take some of Alan's advice and and expand on it and get to that 20, 30 minute mark. But the challenge is to start, right? It's kind of like in the weight room, some movement's better than no movement, same thing in the mind, right? Some thinking is better than no thinking. Some intention is better than no intention. And I love this. You know, you, you are what you practice. Obviously you are what you think. I mean, it's just, this has been so, so, so good. And uh, this will be one of those episodes that uh, our listeners continue to go back to and continue to hearken on um, for, for many, many months, many years to come. So Alan, I can't say thank you enough. Uh, folks, make sure you go check him out. I looked at a lot of his YouTube stuff. Um, as I was researching, uh, this episode, it is fantastic. And he's right. He takes you through a lot of, of different things. I'll put some things in the uh, show notes as well. Uh, but Alan, again, thank you so much for being here this week. Hey, Darren, number one, thank you for doing what you do um, and spreading the, the good word and the love and, <clears throat> and having me on because um, it's inspiring knowing what you're doing and how you're out there on the front lines and, and, and really things like these podcasts are so, so powerful and they're life changing for people. So thank you for having me on. And I'll leave you with this one little note, which is you said something that's, that's, that reminded me of something, which is we, we have so much practice at thinking. And so maybe the listeners, one of the takeaways can be, uh, what would it be like to practice not thinking yeah. uh, or not responding to the thoughts? So thank you, really. I really mean it sincerely. It's been a joy. I, lo I love how, you know, how you work. I love your ideas. I love your questions and uh, I love your input. So this was really, uh, I, I, I will come off of this, of course, get, have, have, having got a lot better. So thank you. Well, thank you. And so will I, and so will our listeners. And, and just again, the impact that you're having uh, throughout the world is just phenomenal. And so to take the time to, to join us is really something special. So again, thank you. And uh, hey, we will see everyone else back um, next Thursday, and uh, we'll see if I can follow this one up. This one's going to be a tough act to follow. So uh, take care, everyone. We'll see you back next week. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget, check out the new course, Stop Fighting Now. Go to drdarrenwilson.com. Sign up today. I can't wait to see you in the course room. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.